I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 70 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey friends, happy Monday. I'm hoping that today's episode will be helpful and something that really resonates with you. Today, we're gonna talk all about small group instruction. And I'm gonna share with you six steps that you can take to ensure that your small group lessons specifically for reading are successful. Now, let me first of all just say that if you haven't started small group instruction yet this year, that is totally okay. There is absolutely No shame in not having this part of your reading block figured out. And honestly, I think like this is one of the things that makes being a reading teacher so challenging is that we are responsible for trying to figure out how to effectively teach whole group and small group and do reading conferences and managing all of those things and planning for all of those things. And they're all very different. You know, the way that we teach small group is very different than how we do small group instruction. And so it can definitely be a lot. And I didn't start attempting, and I say attempting, to pull small groups until November. And that's because really my first few months of small group instruction really were just attempts. There was nothing of value or of substance that was happening during my small group lessons. I had a lot of issues with classroom management my first couple of years and really struggled to make sure that the rest of my class was engaged with something else while I was pulling small groups. But I also had challenges planning and figuring out how do I structure my small group time? What do we engage with? How do I make sure those students are working on something at my small group table that is helpful for them? And so just know that I fully understand how hard and challenging small group instruction is. And before I jump into my six steps, I just want to give a little bit of encouragement that if you are still struggling with small groups or if you haven't started them this year or if you've been resistant to them in the past, now is actually a really great time to work on refining your small group lessons and making that commitment. Small groups are 
an incredibly effective part of your reading block. And I think they obviously take some time to to make work. But if you can basically commit to spending time focusing on and refining your small groups for the remainder of the school year, that means you've got like four months to really figure out what works best for you and your students. Not only is that going to benefit your students this year, but really it's going to be a huge benefit to you and your students next year. Because when you start next school year, you will be able to start being confident that you have a small group routine, you've got a structure, you've got the management, you've got the planning, you've got all of that figured out. So when September rolls around, you're going to be ready to rock and roll with your small groups. And so future you is really going to thank you for making small groups a priority for the last few months of this school year. So know that you've got this. You can definitely figure out how to make small group lessons work. And maybe you're wondering, okay, I'm on board with that. Now, what can I do to make small groups more effective? And I'm so glad you're wondering and asking that because that is exactly what I am about to share with you in the rest of this episode. Okay, so the very first thing when you are thinking about small group lessons is you want to make sure that the rest of your students have something meaningful and engaging to work on. You're only going to have, you know, five or six students at your small group table, which means you might have 18 to 20 students still out in your class working on something else. And in order for you to have an effective small group, you need to make sure that you have enough uninterrupted time to provide instruction. So the rest of your class has to be engaged in something that is meaningful and something that is also going to help them grow as a reader. And hopefully, like I said, at this point, you have something for your students and you've already got a small group routine. But if you don't, that's okay. You know, it's never too late to start. Some of the things that I have done in the past and that work well for the rest of your class to be working on is you could have students reading independently, whether it's a self-selected or pre-assigned book. You could set up centers or workstations for your students to participate in. You could give your students partner practice, something that they complete with a partner. You could have student book clubs going on. So your students are all doing book clubs while you're with a small group or any form of independent practice. I know we're kind of like approaching or starting to be in the middle of test prep. And so maybe you have your students even working on, you know, some sort of independent practice or test prep, whatever it is. So whatever one of those things, all of them work. I don't want to say that the main goal is for your students to have something to work on, but that's kind of what it is. And, you know, every every school is a little bit different with what they require. Some schools say you have to have independent practice every day or you have to have independent reading or you have to do workstations, whatever it is. But think about all of those, you know, and what would be the easiest thing for you to get started. And I always say independent reading is one of the easiest things to implement because all your students need is a book and you just have to help them build up their stamina. But if your students are not independent for 15 to 20 minutes, this really is the first thing that you need to address before you try to fix anything that goes on at your small group table. And so think about what is it that your students are going to be working on? Where is the issue? Is it that they're not engaged? Is that they don't have questions? Is that there's too much movement? You know, figure out what is holding them back. Review those expectations, review those routines and practice. And it might take you a couple days to practice. I think one of the things that we tend to do is we want to rush into our small group instruction and we forget that we have to make sure that everybody else is independent and can be successful without our help as a teacher, you know, for 15 to 20 minutes. So that way you do have the time to focus on the small group that is at your table. So make sure that the rest of your students have something to work on, get that routine set in place, and then you can focus on your small group lessons. So that leads me into my 
second step. The next thing that you need to do is once you can ensure that the rest of your students are independent and can do something successful, then you need to start thinking about your small group. And you want to make sure that you are planning your small group lesson around a reading objective that will benefit the students in your group. So obviously, you're going to have to figure out how to group your students. And again, there's a ton of different ways you could do that. I could do a whole episode. And if that's something that would be helpful, let me know. And I can do an episode on how to actually group your students. But if you already have groups in mind, think about what specific objective is going to benefit the students in your specific groups. And small group instruction is only going to work and it's only going to be effective if it is providing students with guidance and support in the specific areas that they need. You know, and not every student has the same reading roadblock or challenge. And in order for us to help all of our students grow, We need to make sure that we are correctly identifying the individual needs of each student. You know, if you think about it, and especially in upper elementary, if you have a student that is struggling with accuracy and fluency, then focusing on comprehension during your small group lesson is not going to help them grow as a reader because they have another roadblock or challenge that is, you know, preventing them from growing. And, you know, on the flip side, if you do have students who can read every single word correctly and smoothly and fluently, but comprehension is their main issue, then focusing on some sort of word study isn't going to be the thing that is going to help them grow as readers. And a few episodes ago, I did an episode, I think it was episode number 67, that really talked about the seven attributes of a successful reader. And I shared intervention ideas if your students are struggling with one of those attributes. And a lot of those intervention ideas are things that you could do at your small group table. So Definitely go back and listen to that episode if you need help figuring out what interventions to put in place or ideas for things that you could do at your small group table, depending on what your students are struggling with. But basically, you know, what I'm trying to say here is that more than likely, your small groups can't all be the same. They can't all be focused on the same objective. Our small groups should not be a repeat of our whole group lesson just in small group form for each and every single group, because all of your students are going to have different needs. And you can easily group them together and provide differentiated instruction during your small group time to make sure that they are meeting those different needs. So, you know, if you've been focusing on comprehension a lot during your whole group lessons, but you have students that are still struggling with accuracy, your small group time is a really great time to provide support in that area. So just make sure that when you are planning your small groups that you are really thinking about not necessarily, you know, the pacing guide that you have, that you're not necessarily thinking about you know, what's coming up on an upcoming test or your standards, but you are really paying attention to and you are letting your students drive your planning. You know, what is it that these five or six students need to help them grow as readers and then make sure that you are planning your small group lesson around their specific needs, which leads me to my next step. And so the third thing you need to consider is making sure that you are finding materials that are going to support your specific lesson objective. And so Whatever the specific goal or focus area is for that small group, you want to make sure that you have materials to support that. And if I'm being honest, this, I think, is one of the things that I struggled with the most when I was in the classroom. You know, once I did finally figure out how the classroom management side of things and to plan the objectives, I still really struggled with planning and finding materials that supported the objectives. And I think part of that is, you know, as teachers, we have so much on our plate. I had so much on my plate when it came to planning, as I'm sure you can relate, you know, I often felt like I didn't have enough time to actually plan for my small group because I was a self-contained teacher. So I was planning for reading, writing, math, science, social studies, you know, SEL, all of that stuff and planning whole group lessons and independent practice and all of that. And so even if I could 
pinpoint the specific objectives that each group needed, I had a hard time finding materials that would meet those objectives. And a lot of times my planning would sort of take a back seat. And I I remember doing lessons, you know, I would pull students and I knew the objectives, you know, so I would do an accuracy lesson on maybe the suffix ed and how it can make three different sounds, ed, t. And, you know, we would do a, a quick little mini lesson on that at the start of our small group lesson. And then I would tell students we're going to practice reading a text that had that suffix in it. But of course, the text that I pulled, because I didn't have time to find the materials, it didn't actually have that suffix in it. And so it was pointless because I wanted them to practice reading, you know, the suffix, but I didn't have a text that matched that objective. You know, doing a comprehension lesson on how to use text features, you know, or how text features connect to the main idea. But the text I pulled didn't actually have any text features. So it was really hard to practice using text features if there aren't any in the text. You know, or even doing a test prep lesson on the difference between right there questions and thinking questions. But the only questions provided with the passage were the right there questions. And so they really couldn't practice answering two types of questions, you know. And I quickly realized that even if I knew the objectives that my students needed, if I didn't have the right materials to support that objective, then my small group lesson really wasn't going to be effective because ultimately our students need to be able to practice, you know, during the small group lesson, they need to practice what it is that we're teaching them. And so we have to have materials that support the lesson objective. And, you know, this is one of the things that we have done inside the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership is we do have a set of strategy lessons. And right now they're specific to comprehension. But knowing how hard that was for me as a classroom teacher and planning and finding materials that supported the objective, this is one of the reasons why we created the strategy lessons for the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership. And they're also in our TPT store. But I wanted to make it so much easier for teachers to find the materials that matched up with the specific objectives they're trying to teach during their small group lessons, because I know how important it is. So just make sure that, you know, once you've planned out that objective, that you actually take the time to find the materials to support that objective. And then fourth step, they all kind of tie into each other here. The fourth thing, obviously, once you have the materials, is you want to make sure that you are structuring your small group time to give students actual time to practice. And again, I feel like I start off all of these by saying this was a struggle of mine for a long time. And it was. I love sharing with you guys things that I have learned. I love sharing, you know, the mistakes that I made, hoping that you can avoid them. And this was another struggle of mine for a long time. I promise I eventually got small groups figured out, even if it sounds like I didn't. But I don't know why this took me a long time to figure out. And I think this is a, I don't want to say it's a problem for a lot of teachers, but teacher talk, I think, can be a challenge. We as teachers tend to talk too much during our whole group lessons, and we also tend to talk too much during our small group lessons. I have very vivid memories of pulling students to my table for a small group lesson, and I would spend the entire 15 to 20 minutes talking to them, you know, telling them about the objective, telling them the importance of making inferences, and my timer would go off and they didn't get a chance to read at all, you know. Or I would ask them questions and we'd spend the whole time discussing, but they didn't actually get to practice what we were talking about. And Teacher talk is important and student discussion is important, but ultimately we need to think what is the main goal of our small group lesson? And ultimately, small groups are an opportunity for students to practice whatever that focus objective is and for you to be there to provide support and to really provide that sort of like scaffolded instruction, meaning they actually need to have time to engage in that focus skill during the small group lesson. You know, if they come to your table and listen to you talk, for 15 to 20 minutes, they would have been better off 
doing independent practice or doing the workstation or doing the center. So we need to make sure that our small group time is focused on keeping students engaged and actually practicing whatever it is, you know, whatever your objective is. Basically, what I'm trying to say here is have a structure, an actual lesson plan. Don't just say, we're going to pull students to my table and, you know, we're going to practice making inferences today. But actually think about if you have 15 minutes or 20 minutes, think about how are you going to use each of those 20 minutes during your small group lesson and stick to it. So it's basically a lesson plan for your small groups. And one of the things that I love using for my small groups or the structure that I like to use is I call it the 4T model. And it's how we set up our strategy lessons, but you can use it honestly, and you could really use it for even, you know, guided reading, for book club, for whatever type of small group you're pulling. But basically you're just going to assign minutes to the different parts of the lesson. So One of the ways that I would set up my small group lessons is we would start off with the first T is target, which means I would spend one minute, maybe two minutes telling students what our target area is and how it's going to help them as readers. So today we're going to focus on making inferences because that's going to help you understand, you know, what the author wants you to know, but isn't directly telling you or whatever it is. And then you're going to take the next T is teach. And this would be one to three minutes for you to reteach you know, and provide whatever reminders, key points, questions, whatever steps your students need to take for your specific objective. And I think it's important to remind yourself that small groups are not new instruction. Small groups should never be the first time students are hearing something. It should be an opportunity to reinforce and reteach something that they've already heard whole group. And maybe maybe it's something that they learned in third grade or second grade or fourth grade if you're a fifth grade teacher. But it should not be brand new to them. And so since it's not the first time they are hearing something or learning something for the first time, you don't really need to spend a you know ton of time on it. One to three minutes should be enough. And even if you can get it less than that, one of the things I love using is either like an anchor chart or a strategy card, or even if you had a post-it note with whatever questions or key points or visual, whatever it is, have something that is going to help you focus your teach time to keep it concise. So some sort of visual that has basically your key points written out for you. And then the next T is the tackle. And this is where students are going to spend the bulk of their small group time. This usually ends up, or I would try to let this be, you know, eight to 10 minutes of my small group time. And this is where students maybe are reading and practicing whatever comprehension skill you're teaching. Maybe they are writing and practicing whatever, you know, response skill you are teaching them, you know, maybe they are engaging in some sort of word study and manipulating words and, you know, looking for words or reading words or changing words or adding suffixes or prefixes, or maybe they're looking up words in a dictionary. Whatever you're focusing on, they should be the ones doing the work and practicing. And while students are doing this tackle portion of the small group, you are checking in with them and you're observing what they are doing and you're asking them, what are you doing? How is this helping you? What process are you taking? Do you need support? Do you have any questions, you know, you're there to provide guidance in case they are struggling with something, but you want to actually give them a chance to practice. And then the last T is transfer, where you're going to take just, you know, one to two minutes at the end of your lesson, maybe three minutes if you want to have an extra long discussion, you know, discuss with your students whatever the objective was, remind them how they can apply the same target objective independently, and then you're going to send them on your way. And if you use that 4T model for your small group lessons, the majority of your time is going to let your students actually practice their independent reading and your teacher talk will be significantly limited. But again, take some time and actually think about and reflect on your small group lessons that you've been doing and think about how much of it is spent with teacher talk 
versus student practice or even discussion versus student practice and try to give more time to your students to actually practice whatever the specific focus objective is. So that's my fourth step. Now, the fifth step is probably just as important, but I want you to consider how can you make your small group time more fun and enjoyable, not only for you, but also for your students. And honestly, this tip should become no surprise to you. You guys know that I'm such a huge fan of making sure that reading is fun and enjoyable for both teachers and in students. And honestly, I feel like small groups usually are pretty fun for students, even without any extra bells and whistles, because students oftentimes just really love getting that extra time and attention from their teacher. You know, they love not having to, you know, vie for your attention with 20 other students. You know, it's a chance for them to connect with their classmates and their teacher, and that usually is fun. But you probably have some students in your class that dread coming to your small group table for reading because they don't like reading or they aren't confident in their reading ability. And you can make a ton of strides with your students and helping them grow as readers during your small group instruction, but your students can't be reluctant. If they are reluctant to wanting to come to your small group table, it is not gonna be as effective. So we wanna make sure that students look forward to small group time, that they come to it you know, excited with anticipation that they, you know, it's when you say, okay, I'm pulling this group or I need these students to come to a strategy group, whatever it is, They look forward to it and that they're open and eager for whatever it is that you are trying to teach them. And there are a ton of ways to make your small group time more fun. And they're often just like super easy, quick things that you can do. You know, you can wear a fun or silly hat or a set of glasses that you only wear during small group time. You could even give your students special glasses that they read with, you know, even small things like this. And maybe you're thinking, I'm a fifth grade teacher. My students aren't going to get into silly glasses. If you've never done it before, trust me, try it. Big kids love fun and silly things too. So maybe you have a set of like glasses that students wear during small group time, or maybe you have some sort of like fun or special materials that students only get to use during your small group lessons. Maybe it's highlighters, maybe it's special post-it notes, maybe you have special pencils, maybe you have some sort of like pointing sticks or fingers you know, something that just is like makes it a little bit more fun and special. You know, you can even play special music in the background or turn the overhead lights down and turn on a special lamp or even like turn your smart board display into a fireplace and create a nice cozy environment during small group time. You know, whatever it is, think of some sort of ritual that you can do during your small group lessons that students look forward to and just increase the enjoyment a little bit. You know, you could even do something as simple as start off each small group lesson with a joke or a riddle or a pun. You know, that just takes a few seconds, but it is something silly. It's something that your students would look forward to. And it's something that at the very start of your lesson would put a smile on their face and probably just like increase their enjoyment of the lesson. So if you haven't recently paused and really reflected on how fun and enjoyable is your small group time, then think about some of these things. And really, all you need to do is just brainstorm a list of what are small things that I could do that would make your small group lessons more fun for you and your students. So. That is the fifth step. And my sixth and final step is don't forget to assess and reflect to see if your small group instruction is working. And I think this is really important for us to do periodically as teachers, you know, with so many things that are fighting for our time, both in and out of the classroom, you know, we want to make sure that how we spend our instructional time and our planning time is actually working and beneficial. And, you know, the time we're putting into it, we're getting a return or our students are getting a return, which means we need to reflect on and, you know, take some time to assess and really think about, is my small group instruction working? Do I see evidence of my students growing as a result of my small group lessons? And 
you can see evidence of it in a variety of ways. You know, you you probably want to look for some concrete evidence to see if your students are growing. So you might see an increase on weekly assessments, some sort of growth on the assessments that you take weekly. Maybe you see an improvement on running records or other benchmark data that you have to take. Or maybe you even just see an improvement on your homework or independent practice that your students are completing. But you also might see evidence that is more abstract and maybe less you know, numerical. Maybe you start to notice that your students are participating during whole group instruction more, that they're you know, more confident in offering up an answer and discussing whole group. You know, Maybe you are observing growth during reading conferences that when you're talking one-on-one with students, you know, some of the things that they've been working on, they are more confident in it, or you know, they're reading with more accuracy or more fluency, or they're more motivated, whatever it is, you know, or maybe you just are noticing an overall increase in your students' confidence or their enjoyment of reading. Those can be evidence that your small group instruction is working as well. But you definitely want to think about, you know, what is it that I have been teaching my students during small group? What are the objectives? And am I noticing a growth in those areas? And sometimes growth shows up instantly and we might notice an immediate growth. Sometimes it takes a while for students to like display the growth. And so if you've been working on an objective for three or four weeks, it's okay if you haven't necessarily seen a huge increase or an improvement in their performance. But at some point we need to see growth. <laughs> we we want to see our students actually, you know, making progress in the areas that we are teaching. And so we do want to see evidence that lets you know that your small group instruction is helping your individual students. And, you know, I think sometimes we also have to realize that the evidence of our small group instruction working might look different for each of our students. And so while some students, you might be able to say, yes, I know for sure my small group lessons are working because I'm seeing an increase in their weekly assessments. And for other students, the evidence might be, like I said, from reading conferences or participation, but you want to be able to have some sort of evidence. And if you aren't 100% confident that your students are benefiting, or if you are reflecting and you're thinking, you know what, I'm actually not sure. I don't know for sure if my small group lessons are working or we've been working on this objective for, you know, six weeks now and I'm not really seeing an increase. And maybe you realize that you do have to make some adjustments. Then what you can do is you can go back and the five previous steps that I've shared, you can start to make tweaks and adjustments. You know, maybe you start to adjust the objectives that you're teaching. Maybe you start to tweak your materials. You know, maybe it's not what's actually happening at your small group table, but it's the interruptions that are preventing your small group lessons from being effective. And so, you know, these six steps that I shared with you are basically a process that you can go through throughout the entire year. And it almost becomes just this cycle that you can repeat and the questions that you can reflect on and the steps that you can take that will continually help you to improve and refine your small group lessons. So hopefully you find it to be helpful, but let me real quick recap the six steps that you can take to maximize the effectiveness of your small group lessons. First thing you want to do is make sure that the rest of your class and the rest of your students have something meaningful and engaging to work on and are 100% independent before you pull small groups. Step number two is make sure you are planning your lessons around reading objectives that will benefit students in that group. And if you need help with this, go back and listen to episode number 67, where I talk about specific intervention ideas for the seven attributes of reading. The third step, though, in this small group process is making sure that you are finding materials that support your specific lesson objective. And then step number four is to make sure you structure your small group lesson so that students are engaged in actual practice. Basically, we're going to try to limit that teacher talk. And then step number five is consider how you can make your small group time more fun. And then the final step is don't forget to reflect and assess on the effectiveness of your small group lessons. So 
There you go. Six steps that will hopefully make your small group time more effective. Now, before I end this episode, I want to ask you for a really quick favor. If you enjoy listening to the Stellar Teacher podcast and have been listening for a while now, I would love to ask you to consider leaving a positive review for the podcast. Podcast reviews are so incredibly helpful. And honestly, the reviews make it so much easier for teachers to find and discover the podcast. You know, the more reviews the podcast has, the easier it is for Apple and the other podcast platforms to show our podcast to other teachers, which just means that more teachers would benefit from the tips and strategies that I share that I know help you in your classroom as well. So if you haven't left a review yet, it would totally mean the world to me if you would consider doing that. So that's my real quick favor to ask of you. And just know that I so appreciate all of the teachers in my podcast audience. I love hearing from you, whether it's by email on Instagram or in our Facebook communities. And of course, as always, I hope that this episode is helpful and it makes teaching, specifically teaching in small group, just a little bit easier for you. And I hope that you have a stellar week and I will see you back here next Monday for another episode. So have a great week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.